for me, I got to get out of my comfort zone and I got to push myself every day uh, to motivate myself to get out there beyond that lines on the playing field. So there's no better way than developing relationships. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. Toward the end of our first year on Status Go, I interviewed Doug Thies of the IT Leaders Group in Indianapolis. In that episode, we talked about the importance of community in the IT space. Little did we know then, our sense of community was about to be challenged in a big way. As we begin to slowly climb out of the embrace of the global pandemic, we've come to truly realize the importance of community. Our guest today is Mike Shirobi. Mike, aka The Chief is the founder of no less than eight organizations in Charlotte, North Carolina. Many of these organizations exist to create and foster communities for the IT leaders in Charlotte and beyond. We're going to focus on a couple of those organizations. Ballantine IT Professionals and his newest organization, the Cyber Breakfast Club. Welcome to Status Go, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me today, Jeff. How you been? Been pretty good. I appreciate you having me on on your program, CXO Underground. So put in a little bit of a plug uh, to our listeners to check that show out. It should be on your playlist right behind Status Go. So Mike, before we talk community, I, I got to ask you, what's the story behind The Chief? The Chief, yeah. Well, um, we were talking about names, right? How people butcher names. Uh, and if you've done anything well, whether good or bad, right, people get nicknames. Uh, my, my dad actually has a nickname. My grandfather has a nickname. Uh, so it's kind of a family tradition to get one. I ended up getting mine in college. I played uh, college football at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, uh, my freshman year, one of the seniors nicknamed me the Chief. It was just kind of the way that I way that I played, and uh, I don't know if they necessarily could say my last name, but uh, you know, hey, it was uh, one of my Italian buddies from Chicago. So uh, hey, I think if you're in Chicago, you probably have a nickname. So I got I got the chief. That's pretty cool, and it stuck with you. Absolutely, that, still stuck yeah. with me. And then run, running my own business, one of my businesses, right that you talked about, is called Shotgun Editing Company. It's a consulting firm for uh, cloud services and network services. And when we thought about the name, my great-grandfather was a butcher in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So it's kind of homage to him as I was visiting my grandparents. They're always watching John Wayne Western movies. So when I started the business, like, hey, consulting, what's kind of a neat name out there? And that's where uh, Shock and Eddie and company came. And uh, I just started talking about the chief. And it's funny, all my college friends started like pinging me on LinkedIn. Like they didn't know who Mike Shirobi was, but all of a sudden they see this <laughs> chief thing, like they know who I am. So uh, we had a lot of nicknames in college. There's there's guys too. I don't know their probably full names. <laughs> I know them by their by their nicknames. So that's pretty funny. And I was going to ask the story about Shotgun Eddie's too. So I'm glad you shared that. Take us on more of your journey. What led you to this point in your career? Well, it's just a combination of everything, right? I was kind of the kid that uh, had the lemonade stand out in the in the neighborhood, right? So I think my entrepreneurial spirit has always been around around that. I've always been in athletics. I've been multi sports. I played football, 
baseball and wrestling in high school. I had a sunset wrestling after a certain while because you, you had to pick one sport. You're the wrestler full year or you were uh, baseball and, and football. So I did that, but just always being there. I was also the kid in the neighborhood that was, hey, you want to play football in the backyard when kids actually played in the backyard? I was that that kind of coordinator. I was always the connector, right? I wasn't always the, the best player out there, but I was able to kind of at least uh, get people motivated enough to come come meet for a football game or an event. So that's kind of where we're at today, right, is events. How do you connect with other people? Just going through what I've gone through, my first job out of college was with MCI WorldCom, if you remember that name or WorldCom. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm sitting there. Uh, I was in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And with that, uh, there's the crash of the dot-com business, right? So I'm sitting there, companies, stocks going up and up and up. Then all of a sudden it crashes and uh, going through several layoffs within one year really kind of gave me maybe a little bit of PSTD for corporate America, kind of looking looking out. So I've always been on kind of the lookout from a business perspective. Uh, maybe that was kind of my sign from the man upstairs, but uh, I've always kind of be looking for the next thing and being in technology, that's where you're at, right? Sometimes you hit it, you hit a home run and you're able to ride that technology out for three to five to seven years. And sometimes you miss it. I've missed it before. And if you're wait, guess what? There's something else is going to come along. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you brought together the memory of being the connector in the, I'll call it Sandlot football. I was a baseball guy. So we played, we called it water tower ball. Oh, cool. Yeah. We always played underneath the, there was a field next to the water tower. And and you're right. You always can have that kid that brings the players together, right? They run through the neighborhood saying, hey, let's go play. And it's cool how you've taken that and created multiple businesses using that same model. I got to believe that this is just a perfect recipe for your businesses because you've been doing it your whole life. You've been the chief since you, I know that you got that nickname in college, but you've really been that guy even since before that, when you were a kid. A lot of gas, no brakes sometimes though. And so <laughs> what, what I've learned though too, is you got to, you know, just like the, the lemonade stand, it got kind of boring, right? Cause all of a sudden it's lemonade. And if you think about it from a, a marketing and sales perspective, it's like how many people really want just lemonade? Maybe if I had iced tea, uh, at the time, I think Arnold Palmer's weren't what they were marketed at. Maybe if I had the owner Arnold Palmer as the mixture too, then yeah. I've got my three. You got three options there, right? Throwing maybe some cookies and stuff. But again, it's just kind of great lessons. But I'm I'm super blessed in regards to my parents. That's really the reason why my mom's a realtor out of Columbus, Ohio. She still is. Uh, fortunately, in I think it was 2000, she was realtor of the year. So what what a great year to come out and be realtor of the year in 2000. Yeah. So. I really, just genetics, my, my parents are both athletic. They're outdoorsy, but they're also in business. My dad's the same way. He's entrepreneur, salesperson. He's on the engineering side. He's the one who introduced me to computers. So first computer, I think we talked about that in my podcast, was Commodore yeah. 64. You know, how can you... How can you not, you know? So... Yep. How can you go wrong with a C64, man? You, you got to have that. So I'd love to focus our conversation on two or... I'm not sure exactly the organizational structure. It might be three of your IT communities that you're involved in. Valentine uh, is about 10 years old now, as I recall. So why start a networking group for IT leaders in Charlotte? Well, that one was uh, very much a selfish reason. So at the time, Charlotte was 
really kind of growing and very similar to Indianapolis, right? You've got a, a big outer belt and then you got the suburbs that kind of go around it. We're a little bit waterlocked, not as much as uh, my, my friends in Cleveland. You can't go north, right? Because you got Lake Erie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, you've got, you know, we got Lake Norman on the northwest side of town. And we've got Lake Wiley on the southwest of town that goes into South Carolina. So you got, you got a little bit of water that kind of separates the, the city to go a little bit more north and north and south. At the time, all the events for IT, Jeff, they were they were what they call Uptown Charlotte. Charlotte calls their downtown Uptown. So hear somebody say Uptown. Uh, it's really, really downtown. But they wanted to change the way that people viewed Charlotte back in the days when Hugh McCall was with Nations Bank and he bought Bank of America and brought them from San Francisco to Charlotte. So that's really kind of Charlotte's uh, gold, no pun intended. Charlotte's known as the 49ers because actually one of the biggest pieces of gold ever was founded here in the late eight, I think the late 1800s, 1900. Don't, you know, somebody can go ahead and wiki that one. But uh, Charlotte's known as uh, UNC Charlotte is the 49ers because gold was found here first before it came to California. So there's a little bit of a gold rush. But uh, going back to networking, I had two young kids, one year old, three year old at the time, and going 45 minutes, coming home. And it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night. My wife's like, hey, here are the babies. I was like, you know what? I want to get home at maybe like seven or eight o'clock and take care of the baby. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to try this thing called LinkedIn that somebody sent me to. Let me send out some invites. Let's see what happens. I love that. It was self-serving because you didn't want to drive uptown for these. So why this community? I got to believe it's part of your DNA to bring people together. But what's your why in doing this other than the convenience of having it uh, closer to home? My why is it gets me out of my comfort zone. I am traditionally an introvert. If you saw me as a little kid, I did not want I did not want to get in front of people. I was the shy one. I don't want to talk. And sports was really kind of like I crossed that that line to get on the ball fields and I was a totally different person, right? I was just kind of gung-ho. How do you do it? That's how I see my my business life is if I'm gonna survive, I've gotta get onto the playing field and I've gotta get out there and make things happen. I Someone said the other day, I heard somebody say, hey, you know, sales is a contact sport. Well, business is a contact sport, right? If you're not contacting people, your business will slow down and to know whether you're in sales or not in sales, whatever your business is. If you go down to, hey, I'm just work for home. I'm going to be on my island. Your business is going to dwindle down to nothing. And hey, you don't want to be that person that you're on some sort of Excel spreadsheet, right? And we haven't heard from this person. So for me, I got to get out of my comfort zone and I got to push myself every day uh, to motivate myself to get out there beyond that lines on the playing field. So there's no better way than developing relationships. I just like to learn, right? I'm not a great reader. I'm a slow reader. So it's way easier for me to meet Jeff Tunn and learn from him or Joe Topinka or, you know, an Elizabeth Austin who's here in Charlotte, CIO of the year or a Ted Mueller, CIO of the year or Lisa Tuttle. She's, uh, you know, CISO. Uh, at SPX, she's been on the podcast. They're just really interesting people to learn from. I just like being around the, the folks who are in leadership roles because I just get to learn every day. And guess what? I'm also selfish because that's the business that I'm in. I'm just, I'm serving leaders and I'm trying to help them when they have problems, I'll go solve them through uh, software solutions and cybersecurity and cloud. Well, and when we talked the other day, you had a, you had a great story uh, about the connection with Rotary in these groups. Could you share that story with our audience? Yeah. So when I moved to Charlotte, um, again, looking at different networking groups, uh, my mom was in, in Toastmasters and my dad was in Rotary. 
Uh, I ended up choosing Rotary first, went with that and got really engaged. And I missed the meeting. I got to be on the board, I think, at, at Rotary locally. <laughs> so, uh, but I was in, I thought it was more business oriented, right? I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is like business stuff. But what I realized was it was really community and, and network, friendships first, and then the business comes. It really kind of changed the way I looked at networking groups. A lot of networking groups are like, oh, well, this is, your, this is what you're going to get out of it. This is where you get sales, money, all this stuff because you're in business, right? But really what it broke it down to, Rotary's about relationships. It started in Chicago, Paul Harris and those folks. And what they do is that, you know, you know this, they would go around to each person's business in Chicago. And that's why it's called Rotary because they would rotate around. The cool thing that they were doing that I never knew about is they were trying to eradicate polio. And Bill Gates and his foundation were doing, again, another wiki time for somebody to fact check me, but double, they would double or triple uh, or, you know, one for one, all the donations of Rotary because Bill Gates and Melinda wanted to eradicate polio, which what a cooler event to try to eradicate some sort yeah. of disease, right? So that really kind of, you know, pulled on my, my coattails, but also you had local groups too. So you're part of the international group for polio and some really big things that you would see on a big frame. But what Rotary also do is like, hey, what locally do you want to do? So we would do a local charity every year we would pick one and then we would do an international one that we would do outside of polio like we would do a water project in uh i believe it was haiti uh, one of our members knew a lot about uh, tom herman he's a he's a state farming agent like he never talked to me about state farm at all he's talking about hey water projects here's where we need to get funding do you know people right so again rotary is just a great lesson learned for me and i took the, the rotary lessons into valentine it so you and I met through our respective networks, right? Uh, John Harden, the CEO of a SaaS startup here in Indianapolis, SaaSlio, introduced us after the two of you had connected regarding his business. It's another example of having this robust professional network. What are some of the things that you've learned in your career through networking? What have you learned about networking? The biggest thing is you have to invite somebody something. So what I learned about Rotary was Rotary had meetings every week, and that's really tough to get the right sponsor. And the formula for them, and from my perspective, was you had to have a great venue, you had to have great food, and you had a great speaker. If you missed out on the speaker, if you had great food, people would come back. If you, and then if they had bad food, then if you had a great venue, you're still okay. But if you get a great venue, you can get a great food, and then you can get a great speaker, you've got a great opportunity to keep people in seats and attract new members. Tell us a little bit about the Ballantine Group there and how it's grown. I know it's around 10 years old, but uh, now I think you've spawned a second location or a second group out of that. So how have you seen them build over time? And then more specifically, how have you seen them build in the last year? Yeah, so it's been a little bit different, uh, kind of a hybrid type of thing. Again, it goes back to kind of, you've got to be making connections, the contact sport, right? There's not just one silver bullet that do, does it all. It really comes down to people, right? If you have passionate people that are there for a cause, like with anything else, then it's going to keep its energy and it's going to keep its momentum. So in the early days was Valentine had some new restaurants. So we went to a, what we talk about, right? A great venue, right? They also had great food. And then it was something new and exciting. So you kind of had that speaker, right? So that was kind of our formula in the, in the beginning of the days. The unknown that we learned, the lesson learned there, Jeff, was LinkedIn. First meeting we had was in February of 20, 2011, right? Yeah, because it's 10 years. We had 20 people at the first event. The next event was 40. And then it doubled again. 
And it was all, it actually came from LinkedIn. People were wow. coming from LinkedIn and I'm like, not that I knew everybody, but there was like, wow, who are all these people? I don't even know who these are. And it was because of LinkedIn in those days, people were really using it as a great networking tool. And it was kind of in its infancy. And what happened after that, what we learned was we were just meeting once a quarter. We kept it easy. We kept it soft. We kept it laid back. And we also asked, you know, because we're a technology, right? You're in leadership roles. It's like, if you're in sales, we kind of had a policy if asked, right? Don't come in there and try to pitch Jeff or pitch Joe or pitch these people on sales. Build a relationship. Again, going back to Rotary, right? Build a relationship. And if asked, guess what? That's even better opportunity because they're passionate about maybe learning yeah. and maybe working with you. So that was some of the lessons learned there. And then over time, we saw the CIO role get really hot in Charlotte about seven, eight years ago. So some of our members said, hey, let's do a CIO roundtable at the Ballantine Hotel. At the time, Ballantine Hotel, which still is, is again, four or five star here in Charlotte. It's one of the premier properties, has an unbelievable golf course, and it's class A for, for corporate real estate in regards to business to business uh, facilities. And it's kind of the gem on the south side of, of Charlotte. So it's our what we call the technology corridor. We started that CI roundtable again with a few small folks that were really passionate. And it came down to finding CIO leaders that wanted to share. They wanted to network and they're willing to put their ego or whatever else on the side, but they wanted to teach and learn. And when you're able to teach people and help mentor people, that's why that group became really successful. And we've grown to over 200 members and we added uh, Lake Norman, which is on the north side of town. And then we also added at one time Asheville, uh, North Carolina as well. So that group really, really, really grew. And then over time, the last couple of years, the chief information security officer role has gotten very popular because yeah. of the SEC and then and, and folks having to have board members and uh, senior executives at the cybersecurity level. We started seeing the CISOs come in. So we built a CISO roundtable and all credit to the founding members there. That's uh, Mike Brandon uh, with National Gypsum. We also have Mike Hillhouse with Cadalian. And then we have uh, Tom Watson. At the time, he was a CISO at Sealed Air, and now he's a CISO at iSolved. So without having those visionaries to come in and share, especially in cyber, where it's people have got their guard up and you're going to look over your shoulders. But cyber right now is such a team sport. You've got to find local local access to see what's trending and because it's not not everything's online, right? And again, zero trust these days, right? And especially in cyber, you've got to find that trust factor. Now, is that the Cyber Breakfast Club? Is that the, the group or did it evolve into that later? That's correct. So it's evolved into that. So we had CISO Roundtable. And then now because of the success, because of COVID, we've launched uh, Cyber Breakfast Club in North Carolina, Texas, and in Washington, D.C. So you're taking that more on a, on a national scale. Correct. Um, we're taking on a national scale. We're, we're uh, recruiting founding board members and we're recruiting founding members for, for those groups with the hopes of when we do break up and be able to get in person for in-person breakfast, we know that that's, that's a very special type of group. But going forward, I think the world's going to be a hybrid, right? Hey, how do you do this in person and you have your Zoom meeting or Teams meeting or WebEx or you know your Zencaster, right? Whatever your flavor is. Yeah. If one of our listeners, uh, or more than one, but if we have some CISOs that are listening today and they are interested in starting a cyber breakfast club in their area, could they reach out to you, Mike, for guidance on that? 
Absolutely. Think of us kind of as the YMCA model or the rotary model, right? You have the access to the bigger association. However, when you plant your flag in your local city or your local state, um, we give the autonomy to you because we know that things are different and in every different group, you've got your own fingerprints, right? That kind of put your touch on your, uh, your group, right? So yeah, we are looking for those. And then again, if we've got founding, founding folks that are in that area, we'll help you. So anybody that's interested, uh, they can contact us, look us up at cyberbreakfastclub.com. Excellent. And we will be sure and put that in the show notes as well as your contact information a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Wendy Keene of S2E Transformation on this program. We got started talking about the concept of ecosystems and the value they bring. And it seems as I look across your portfolio of businesses, including the communities that we've talked about, you've created an ecosystem of sorts. How do you see the value of ecosystems? And, and were you intending to? St- start an ecosystem when you went down this path? It was, it was unintended, right? Just kind of as you look back and you reflect of what, what made you successful, it's really the connections. Again, going back to uh, backyard, backyard football and baseball uh, in, in my hometown. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, so just not, not too far from, from you, Jeff, right? But yeah, yep. that ecosystem, it, it comes down to friendships. And these aren't huge groups, right? We're not we're not thousands and thousands of groups. Those are usually the one-time event in your city, right? Where everybody gets together and we do those. But really, you got to have an ongoing cadence. In, in these days, we went to monthly meetings because quarterly meetings weren't enough. People forget. And if you miss one, guess what? That's six months that you've, yeah. that you've missed, right? So it's hard to get the monthly. Weekly is, you know, I love Rotary, but weekly is tough. Uh, Toastmasters is weekly as well, and I love Toastmasters. Table topics, great idea. If you've been in, in Toastmasters, I would steal collectively their, their table topics. One of the best ways for icebreakers for any group, use those uh, as you see fit. But again, yeah, building your network out is, it's like-minded. You've got to be passionate about what you're what you're doing and who you're with. And then over time, you're going to be able to naturally give to those folks and help them out when they bring something up. For instance, today I was on a call with the client and they were talking about two different things. And I really wanted to help them out. But sometimes I just got to, you know, I get into game mode, right? I kind of got to shut up and color and not be the chief, right? So you got to kind of hold back and say, okay, hey, you know, I want to present to them in the right way because I'm the chief, right? I can kind of be a little bit direct, uh, all gas and no brakes. So it's like, okay, hey, I thought about some of these things. You know, maybe, maybe they might be helpful or not. And some people are responsive to that and some people aren't, right? It's not always, you know, you're checking the box. I, uh, Bill Conley, who's um, the uh, former head of recruiting for the Ohio State University football team, uh, is a former coach of mine and uh, you know mentor to me. And he was on my, on my podcast, and he mentioned in his book for recruiting, he was like one out of six, one out of six recruits, and they had some of the best recruits in in the, in the '90s and, and late '80s and early 2000s. And he was like one out of six. You're kind of like, wait. Ohio State football, you know, it's kind of like Alabama, like one out of six. Like you have to think like that, right? Is not everybody you're going to touch to is going to be a be a home run. So again, as you're networking, you got to have a bigger network because again, you never know. But here's another thing, Jeff. Go back to your old Rolodex. Reach out. Sometimes that's the biggest problem that I have is like I'm always looking at new. It's like I need to go back to some old friends too because we already have that trust factor, right? Yeah, yeah. As you think about the groups that you're a part of, 
and uh, I assume you have a board that that runs these organizations. But what are some of the themes or the topics that your groups really are focused on in 2021? A lot, of, a lot of things are changed, right? Work from home. So in regards to work from home, people are talking about getting back to work. And you, you probably know this and have a lot of conversations, but what we're hearing in the community, the trends is kind of flex time, right? There might be some employees that want to come back to work one time a day. It might be the whole week. Every employee is a little bit different on if they have to go back into the office what does that look like? And then also for whether you're you know, on the CIO or the CTO side of the house, uh, or if you're on the cyber side of the house, it's the same thing. It's the same impact. It comes down to risk and technology and how can you support your team, but also your clients, right? There's a lot of things going on as you got clients asking for, for things. So we've got you know one client right now is like, look, they've got a portal that they use with their clients and the client's like, look, I want single sign on because now we're just, it's too busy. Their biggest complaint on their side is like, I don't want 25 different passwords to log in, right? How do I get single sign on? There's good and bad to single sign on, right? Knowing from a CIO, yeah, your help desk goes down really fast, right? When you have single sign on, but for the security guys, well, wait a second, we need to make sure. So there's always the checks and yeah. balance between what I see, the CIO team, you know, the, the infrastructure team uh, rolling their eyes when when the cyber team's got to come in and, and check the math. So uh, it's a love-hate relationship. I was just talking on uh, the podcast uh, Cloud Talk earlier today, and that was, that was the exact thing that we got onto is that balancing act between the CIO and the CISO, call it, right? And the CISO is about security, obviously. The CIO is trying to balance security with efficiency and ease of use and those kinds of tensions. And so I, I love that your groups explore that. I would imagine in your Cyber Breakfast Club, you have a mixture of CISOs, but also CIOs and other IT leaders who are interested in that as well, correct? Yeah. One of the big one of the big topics there is. CMMC, which is the um, Cybersecurity Maturity Model uh, Compliance, the government just rolled out for uh, military contractors. This is what our CISOs are talking about. Anything that goes to the government and the military will hit the private sector eventually. So there's yeah. a lot of eyeballs on CMMC, that Cybersecurity Maturity Model uh, Certification. What's going on? Over the next five years, these DOD contractors for the military are going to have to go through cybersecurity compliance. And they're going to have an auditor, auditor knocking on their door, going through all of that, which they know, hey, what happens with the government typically trickles down because they build standards. And those standards, as you know, I'm sure you know, NIST, right, is one of the big standards out there in cybersecurity. That all comes from the government, right? Usually it's the DOE. Some of the experts that we talk to, like if you listen to Mike Muscatel is one of the experts here in Charlotte. Uh, he's with Krispy Kreme. He does the he does a lot of the, the road shows with Secure World and some of the other cyber, but he'll tell you, hey, whatever the DOE touches, the stuff that I want to touch because they're kind of king of the castle. You can't have the energy platform have any interruptions, right? So um, right. again, government is the trickle down effect. And again, as we have our eyeballs on those, the government has spent a ton of money on cyber, which makes us on the CIO and the CTO side of the house feel very comfortable, but also the cyber, it's getting the respect because- the challenge has been the C-suite, right? The board's like, where is this really at, right? Where typically people don't want to uh, put on a seatbelt until they get in a wreck, 
well, that's that's sometimes that's too painful. Look at you know the obvious ones of Target, but Solar Winds was huge, right? On the CIO yeah. side of the house, that really impacted infrastructure, right? Because Solar Winds has been around forever, tried and true. Everybody's had that. That's just you know that's Gatorade, that's Coca Cola, that's in the refrigerator at all times, right? So it's out there now that that tool got hacked. People are they're checking the routines, right? Is okay. Hey, what do we need to do? Uh, but third party risk. People are now watching their vendors. We had uh, one one CISO, they ha- they were watching about 100 different IT vendors, watching their risk through a third-party risk uh, platform. One of their vendors got hit outside of IT. CEO goes, we're watching everybody. Now they're watching over 400 yeah. vendors. The challenge wow. for the IT and the CISO team is like, how are you going to manage watching all these vendors? But it really is risk, right? If ADP, you know, again, some payroll company gets hit, they might not tell you for two or three months. I want to know yeah. as a as an entity. I want to know now if they got hit. So there's there's a lot of uh, AI and cybersecurity, which that's all it is. There's no way you can catch up, right? So it's right. really cool where Terminator came back in the '80s, which I was a fan of. Uh, that's because HBO. Uh, you know, we knew how to use the. I guess my own hacking skills. I knew how to get HBO and watch Terminator, but. Um, you know, that's that's where thing it really is AI. Cyber is all AI. You can't kind of build your own. Well, Mike, you know on Status Go, we are all about action. We we like to leave our listeners with a strong call to action. What are one or two things our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to us today? Number one, reach out to an old friend. Reach out to somebody you haven't t- you haven't talked to and reconnect. And see what you can do, or maybe do some research. Look on LinkedIn what they're doing, and see if there's a way that maybe you have a suggestion to help them out, or just ask some questions that are more than just the weather and and family type things, right? So reach out to an old friend, and on the new side of thing, find a new friend or find a new networking group to join. Find something new that you're passionate about, because if we're all in technology, right? There's always something new that we have to learn. One of the big trends that we're seeing, Jeff, is chief privacy officers, mm-hmm. because California has its own privacy laws. There's, again, round number six other states that have it. Virginia just came out with their own privacy law uh, that's going to go in effect within the next year, uh, two years. So all these different states, again, with all the stuff that happened over the last course of the year with cyber and elections and military and nation states going after us, privacies going to be huge for your organization. And again, as we know, you thought cybersecurity people were tough. Privacy is going to make your stuff probably even tougher because you got all these different states. So it's something to look at and start researching now. I love those actions, the reaching out to an old friend or uh, an old connection, reaching out to a new one, thinking about privacy. Those are all great things that we should all start doing. We probably shouldn't wait until tomorrow. We should probably do those today. Absolutely. Uh, to our listeners. Mike, I got to thank you so much for uh, being on our program today. I am so glad that uh, our mutual friend, Mr. Harden, introduced us because I've really enjoyed each of our conversations. So thank you for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it, Jeff. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Mike Shirobi. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. 
You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.